1: Same to the in the middle of the song.
2: What's going on guys?
0: Welcome to ID podcast where we interview the world's leading relationship, marriage, dating and self-help experts. Whether you're single, dating, married or struggling in a relationship, you're in the right place. We're here to help give you the tools to succeed.
2: And today we welcome Christy Arban, And Christy is the founder and CEO of HeartWorks Training, a business set up to support women in their practice of mindfulness, self-compassion, and shame resilience. And Christy has so much great information for us today. And we zero in on the topic of self-compassion. And I particularly liked it because I'm a type A personality. I'm very goal oriented and I'm very hard on myself sometimes. And it is a struggle to sort of get through big projects without getting down on myself that I'm not meeting the goals or I'm not performing the way that I like. And this is important to treat myself better. But then in a relationship, it's also important that my partner, my wife, Sarah, knows how to help me along the path. And Chrissy gives us very actionable tools to, to help you on an individual level. And then if you have a partner that is not very good at practicing self-compassion, how to help them bring out the best in themselves.
0: Yeah, I really love this episode. Uh, Christy gave us some great points and Chase mentioned that we'll be able to use specifically in our relationship. So hopefully uh, you'll be able to find these tools just as useful if one of your partner or even yourself is a type A personality. So we hope you enjoy this interview with Christy. And today we'll be playing you out with the song, When the War is Over, and it's from The Hip Abduction, and it's their album, One Less Sound. And as always, we appreciate you guys so much. If you would like to support us, uh, you can do so by checking out the links in today's podcast description or on the show notes page. There are three links there. One of them is Amazon.com. When you click on that link, we get a small percentage of the sale comes from Amazon. If you shop there, please click on there and it'll help us out. Every little bit counts. Uh, the next link is Patreon. com forward slash I Do Podcast. You can contribute monthly to us for as little as two dollars a day, and a um, two dollars a month. I always say two dollars a day. That would be nice. <laughs> you can do
2: two dollars a day too.
0: <laughs> and then, lastly, AudibleTrial. dot com forward slash I Do Podcast. Get a free audiobook and a free thirty day trial. And on audibletrial.com, you can find hundreds of books and a lot of the books that are hundreds of thousands, actually. (laughs) A lot of the books that uh, our guests mention are on there. So if you hear a book that sounds uh, like you want to read it, check it out. Go to our link, which is audibletrial.com forward slash Podcast. We appreciate you guys so much. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Christy. Thanks for joining us on the show today.
3: Hi there. Lovely to be here.
2: So, we've given our listeners a little overview. Why don't you tell us about yourself and the work that you do in helping people improve their relationships and self compassion
3: sure well i 'm um, originally from australia i 've lived in the United States for uh, about thirteen years now, which is the the same length of time that i 've been married to my gorgeous american husband so that 's why i 'm in this country and um, i've been practicing mindfulness for quite a while now and recently, more recently, introduced self-compassion to my practice. I started to work with um, Christopher Germer and Kristen Neff, who both have written excellent books on self-compassion, and we started the Centre for Mindful Self-Compassion together. And from there, we've been uh, training people in how to develop the skills of mindfulness and self-compassion, and we've also been training teachers to go out and teach um, an eight-week program to help cultivate mindfulness and self-compassion skills. So that's where I am at, at the moment is a very um, very involved in helping people to cultivate these skills in their daily life, to help with all sorts of relationships that they, they have in, in their life, self-compassion, I see as being the the most important skill in uh, relating to ourselves and relating to other people, especially when we're having a difficult time.
2: I think it's so important, and we could talk for days on both of those topics. And we're going to zero in on self compassion. And I find personally, my personality—I'm very Type A, I'm very goal-oriented and driven. And I am extremely hard on myself. And when I think of self-compassion, I feel like it's just, in short, like giving yourself a break and, and, and showing compassion towards yourself. So what would you tell someone uh, listening or someone like myself, kind of the first steps on the road to, to showing yourself more compassion?
3: That's a, that's a great question. I think, and, and you, you really touched on a really important aspect of that, which is giving ourselves a break. If we imagine how we might treat a dear friend, if, if someone said to me, you know, I have this perfectionist-type personality, I beat myself up when I uh, feel like I've failed or I haven't done my best, I'm feeling bad about myself, We would automatically say to this dear friend, oh, it's okay. No, you're not a bad person. You tried your best. I like you. Um, Here's a cup of tea. Let's go for a walk or something. We would nurture our friend if they felt bad about themselves. Do we do this for ourselves when we're feeling bad about ourselves? Do we, do we say, no, it's okay, I tried my best, I'm really a good person, I'm going to give myself a cup of tea, I'm going to go for a walk? We don't tend to do that. So we have this double standard where we treat our friends in a particular way when they're feeling bad about themselves, we, we treat ourselves in, in quite a, a different way. So one of the first things to do is to reconcile those things we have the ability to be kind in the face of someone having a difficult time. We just need to turn that on ourselves and be kind to ourselves when we're having a difficult time. The good news is we know how to do it. We just have to redirect that energy towards ourselves. So I think that's the the first step is to know that we have the capacity uh, to be kind. We, we just and and we are no different to anybody else we are just as worthy of our own kindness and compassion when we're having a difficult time
2: it's such an important thing to recognize and and it's easier said than done like anything it requires practice and being mindful of these techniques and it's important to to practice that self-compassion to to someone listening but then i think relating it to people in a relationship, if you have a partner who is hard on themselves, you kind of already said it, like, give them uh, the support that they need and say, I don't know, what would you tell them? Like, maybe say, don't be so hard on yourself, Give, understand um, that you're doing a good job. What would be something uh, a partner could say?
3: Yeah, that, that's a good question. One of the one of the first things we can say to, uh, to a partner is firstly to, to validate that they're being hard on themselves, to, and, and we might use this word normalise. So we might even say, um, I hear that you're being really hard on yourself. I hear that that's what's happening at the moment. Um, I do that too, or other people do that too. So just that acknowledgement, that common humanity acknowledgement that it's a pretty common thing for us to be hard on ourselves. Um, that can go a long way to calming someone down. Just it's basically saying, I see you, I see what's going on for you, and um, I have had similar experiences, other people have similar experiences, so that validating and, and normalizing. I think that's a really important step that we often forget. We feel like we want to go straight to telling someone that what they're feeling is wrong. Like if you feel you're a bad person, that's wrong. I think the first step is to say, oh, you feel like you're a bad person. Yeah, that feels like that's really difficult. That's really challenging. So we're not saying you're wrong in thinking that. We're saying, oh, poor you. I'm sorry you feel that way. And then after that, we might be able to move on to saying to our partner, we might tell them what we think of them in terms of supporting them. Like, I I don't see you as being this bad person that you think yourself to be. It's not my experience of you. It's not how other people see you. So that that might be something you say to them. You might even um, give them encouragement. I love you. I really love you, and I don't want you to feel this way. I don't want you to feel bad about yourself. What could I do to help out? How might I support you in this moment? So it's all, it does take a little bit of courage to do all of this. Um, We tend to want, we want our partner to feel good, to feel happy, because then we get to feel good and feel happy. If our partner's feeling bad about themselves, it's sort of contagious. We can feel a bit bad about ourselves. And so, um, in order to try and get away from that feeling we want them to feel better i want you to feel better so that i feel better but in fact a really respectful thing is to acknowledge where they're at first and then work together at uh, maybe understanding the the problem at hand and together you know understanding that this is a shared experience your suffering is my suffering we feel this together you're not alone in this experience so you can certainly work on this together so I'd say avoiding um, platitudes where we can, avoiding trying to trying to shake our partner out of their difficult feelings. It's actually much more. It's a much more loving response to to be with them where they're at in their difficult feelings. Um, let them know there's nothing wrong with having difficult feelings, and we love them anyway. I love you even though you don't feel great about yourself right now.
0: I love those examples, especially because. As Chase mentioned, he's very type A personality. And if there is any type of personality that's exactly the opposite, that's probably me. So having those tools to deal with a situation or to make him feel better about himself, if he is feeling down on himself or overwhelmed with a project, it's really helpful. And I think going forward, I'm definitely going to be able to implement those tools in our relationship to help get over, you know, any obstacles we may be having? Because like you said, sometimes when your partner feels down, it's easy for you to kind of have those same feelings. And I think being able to talk about them by using that affection, like you said, by saying, I love you and you are a good person, I think is one of those really good tools to always have in your back pocket.
3: Definitely, definitely. And I, I can sort of re- I can relate to what you guys are talking about with your relationship. I'm the type A person, and my husband is not. He's the opposite way. So, so he's often able to um, bring in some soothing words, some kindness is actually what we're doing when we do that is we're tapping into the mammalian caregiving system. So we're, I'm bringing a bit of, bit of brain science into this. The mammalian caregiving system, this is the system that um, creates or that floods our body with chemicals like oxytocin and, and opiates naturally um, arising biochemicals, neurochemicals, when we tell someone that we love them, when we hold them, when we stroke their arm, when we offer them a cup of tea, it actually gets this um, mammalian caregiving system going and we get this flood of happy chemicals. So when our partner is able to do these things for us, it actually creates a change in our, in our brain chemicals. It actually you know, it's, it's, it's something that's that's uh, uh that we could uh, you know a scientist would be able to to chart the changes in our in our biochemicals when someone cares for us, so I think it's a really neat tool we can use um especially for, especially the partners of a type personality um people like like me like chase
2: <laughs> it feels good when Sarah acknowledges my feelings like like you described in, in how to deal with someone that's being hard on themselves or not deal with them but comfort them because a lot of times that's all I'm looking for. It's like you're not going to – I think it's something I do want to work on but it is a natural response as part of my personality and I do want to work on it but I don't think it's ever going to go away necessarily because I – I just have a personality of, of goal setting and, and, and moving forward, but having that partner. And that's part of what, why our relationship works and, and what attracted me to Sarah is that she's kind and, and can give me, she's not the type to be like, yeah, you know what? You're right. You do need to do better. (laughs) That's like the last thing someone wants to hear when they're already being hard on themselves. So I think that's really important um, for me, and then for any listeners out there who has a partner that might have a personality like myself, is is really just don't be an added weight to to their problem. Comfort them and and be with them in their in their struggle and acknowledge it.
3: Totally right. Totally. If if we have a, a fierce inner inner critic already. We don't need anybody outside of us piling on with that, you know, you know, agreeing with that inner critic. And in fact, if we have a fierce inner critic, we tend to be pretty sensitive to anything that seems like criticism from the outside. So we, we need a, an altruistic partner who, you know, who, who genuinely cares about us. So we're not getting any sense of judgment from them because, as I said, we'll, we'll be hyper vigilant about judgment about about criticism from the outside. We need someone to help balance up um, how we're feeling and, you know, that um, the contagious part of emotions. Um, you know when when I'm feeling bad, my, you know, my partner may well, well be feeling bad. It works the other way. If my partner is offering kindness and warmth and love, um, my mirror neurons, which is it's a, a, a something that happens in the brain, my mirror neurons will see that my partner is kind and compassionate. And I'll tend to to mirror them back, you know, I feel them as well. We feel the emotions that that someone um, next to us is feeling. Science is, has shown this, um, so they're, they're definitely contagious. So yeah, it's it's. I think it's it makes it much easier for us as partners. We don't need to learn any fancy psychology. We don't need to become therapists or mediators or anything like this we just need to offer our genuine care and concern and and comfort and, and love you know that's it's a very basic way of communicating but it's so powerful and it communicates at the level of of body and feelings and emotions rather than at the level of the intellect you know trying to fix something and the I think it's much more powerful when we can relate at the level of feelings than at the, light, at the level of uh, our intellect.
1: That's
2: such great advice and definitely practical tools that I know we'll be able to use and hopefully our listeners. What would be a, another practice that someone can do to try to be more self-compassionate?
3: you know, there are, there are lots of different things um, we can do i'm just trying to think my and, and a lot of obviously self compassion is about the self so we can practice these things individually and then you know they, they obviously have a positive impact on our relationships so Actually, there's a very, very short, um, practice that was designed by, it first, it first showed up in Kristen Neff's book, which is called Self-Compassion. And this little exercise is called a Self-Compassion Break. And it really just has three components, but we can bring it. We can can bring this little meditation in when we find we're having a difficult time, or when we're being hard on ourselves. So um, first, it takes for us to notice that we're having a difficult time. So this is, you know, there's a there is a bit of mindfulness required for us to notice that we're having a difficult time. How many of us just sort of go throughout our day and and we don't even give our difficult emotions a a second thought. We tend to just sort of barrel through our day. So we need to first notice, oh, I'm having a bit of a difficult time right now. So we need to notice, we need to stop what we're doing. Um, Once again, how often do we stop what we're doing to tend to ourselves? So, we need to notice, stop what we're doing, and then we can bring in this little practice, this self compassion break. The first part to this practice is um, simply saying to ourselves something like, This is a moment of difficulty. Well, this is a moment of pain. This hurts. Just something that validates our experience. Just as I mentioned before, having our partner validate our experience. This hurts. So that's the first part. And just to sit with that for a little bit. This hurts. The second part would be um, distress or difficulty. It's a part of being human. Everybody feels this way at some time. I'm not alone in my experience. So sort of just saying this to ourselves: I'm not alone in having a a difficult experience. Even my partner has difficult experiences like this sometimes. So acknowledging um, we're not alone. And then the third part is we would say to ourselves something like, May I be kind to myself in this moment. May I give myself a break. May I tend to myself. May I uh, begin to like myself even. May I find the courage I need to take care of myself. So offering ourselves some kindness, some real words of of kindness and, and support. So as you can imagine, uh, our partner might say these things to us, validating our pain. Oh, it's a moment. It's, this is a moment when you're feeling bad. Acknowledging that we're not alone, um, and then the the third part are uh, being kind to us. So we can do these things for ourselves in this uh, self compassion break exercise. It's really simple. Once you've learned the three steps, you can do it really quickly, really even on the spot. You know, if you're having a difficult time in peak hour traffic, you know, on the way to work, you can offer yourself this self-compassion break and it will start to develop this new voice that you um, have which tells you that you're okay and you are lovable and you are worthy of your attention and the more we do that, the more we start to actually believe it. So we can, if we did this for ourselves, the self-compassion break regularly, our brain, our mind will actually start to believe these words. Our brain will, will actually start to rewire itself to say, oh, you know, I am worthy of kindness and compassion. I am worthy of, of stopping for and acknowledging and validating so it can really have this lovely long-term effect on our um, on our, our our personal traits. Basically, we can develop these traits of of bringing kindness to ourselves if we practice enough with these little a little mini meditation like this one. We'll do that.
0: I'm glad that at the end you mentioned how your brain will rewire to make you feel better about yourself. Because at the beginning, when you were explaining the first. Part about telling yourself that you're in a difficult moment or that, you know, you're not alone. It, it kind of made me think about whether or not if somebody continued to do that, if they would eventually just always kind of feel sorry for themselves or get in kind of like a, a down mentality because they were always telling themselves that. But it, it all makes sense at the end how you kind of wrap it up and you say that by always saying that it will eventually train your brain to to feel better about yourself it's almost kind of like counteracting I don't know it's 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 interesting and I I like how you how you put that for our listeners
2: yeah
3: well self-compassion I mean it can be mistaken for something like self-pity wallowing in feeling bad about ourselves, but in fact you know, that part where we um, acknowledge that we're not alone, basically. We're not, any difficult feeling we're having, it's never unique. Someone else has had exactly the same feeling so we can remind ourselves of that it helps to avoid moving into the you know throwing ourselves a pity party it's like well i'm i'm not actually unique in having a difficult feeling this is part of the common human experience so i think this is really important to cultivate so that we yeah we don't get into feeling sorry for ourselves all the time
2: it's an important thing for everyone to do even if if you're not necessarily feeling down on yourself. It can be a positive thing to have in your life. And I think with social media and, and just media in general, it's easy to think that no one else has these feelings. I think now more than ever, I think it's a natural thing to feel anyways, but when people are only posting how happy they are and, and how happy they are in their relationships, relating it back to, if you're looking at this from as a couple, it's, you think that everything is roses and then and you're feeling bad and you're like, what the heck? And so I think it's a very powerful thing to remember that you are not alone in in the pain that you're feeling.
3: Definitely, definitely. And I hear what you're saying about social media and social media can be great. It actually does trigger some of those mammalian caregiving uh, chemicals so we can feel oxytocin and opiates when we connect with people on social media but as you say if we see that everybody there seems to be having a great time and we're not then it can have the opposite effect of us feeling um, isolated. I think this is why it's so important so valuable for us to be able to express ourselves When we're having a difficult time, not just when we're having a good time. I think maybe, you know, Hollywood movies have got, you know, some blame to to take in this situation. They always end up happy. There's always a happy ending. So there's sort of this expectation that happiness is the norm. We should all be happy. And we should only talk about our emotions if we're feeling happy. If we felt that we could talk about our emotions, when we're not feeling happy, um, if you can imagine, if, if, if we could share on social media, and I know some people do this, we could share, I'm feeling down, um, I'd really love some words of encouragement. And I've seen people um, have, you know, put up posts like this on social media if they're in a particular community. You have to be in a particular community in social media. And I've seen some beautiful words of support. From people, so and and I imagine you know, this person who reached out with this request, um, they had a sense that they were not alone, and but they wanted confirmation of that. I want to know that I'm not alone here, and inevitably they get this flood of well wishes and kindness and love and love heart emoticons and all this lovely stuff. So we could could use social media for that. We just don't tend to do that much. Um, I think there's a really, there's a great possibility for using social media to make people feel less isolated. Um, we, we're just not quite there yet. We're, we're getting there, I think.
0: Yeah. I, just the other day, I was reading a couple posts from two ladies that I follow and usually their posts are very positive and uh, you know great pictures of them and their their babies, and both of them actually, I think it was in the same day posted kind of a a serious topic conversation on their post and I was kind of like surprised you know that it was not negative, but they used the hashtag at the end real talk, and I was kind of like after reading it, I was kind of empowered by them because they're another mother having. You know, similar challenges raising a child and how it affects their marriage. And at the end, when they posted that, you know, real talk, I was like, I, I could relate to them almost a little bit more. It was interesting. It was kind of cool.
3: I think it's great when people li- like new new mums. You know, you can feel very isolated as a new mum. You're at home a lot. You just get to see the four walls in your house. It's really challenging. You're not getting enough sleep. You're wondering if you're doing it right or the rest of it. Um, How amazing would it be to have support online, very accessible, just on your computer there? You don't need to go out. You can just get that support online. So I think there's a really great um, potential for social media to really support um, you know, new mums in particular, any group that feels isolated and needs some support, um, yeah. There's a great potential for helping out with that.
2: It's fascinating this this online community that is so much a part of our lives now. And I think it, you you talked about the mammalian response. I think, well, I know there's science that that this gives us certain chemicals, and we're kind of missing it because we are so isolated. Social media does connect us but for thousands of years we lived in tribes and we lived amongst uh, dozens if not hundreds of people that you were interacting with and so you were constantly getting that affirmation or you were constantly getting that oh you know I'm not the only one feeling this but I think personally and, and definitely in society, we are so isolated because of just the, the way culture is. You got the nine to five, you got a family. We don't live in the same community systems that we used used to live in. I, I'm sure this is a whole another podcast and a half, but I think it's pretty fascinating to, to see like what modern society is one of many things that, that, uh, are causing some of the the emotional distress that we feel.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think we've, you know, family structures have changed. We used to, everyone used to live in the same house. You'd be in the same house with your parents and then your grandparents and everyone would take care of the children. So that, you know, that used to be the system we had. And I'm sure it was great for some things and I'm sure it had its drawbacks as well. Can you imagine living with you know, three other generations or living with your, your parents in law or something like, you know, I'm sure there were challenges there. So we've moved away from that now where we all have our own homes and, as you say, we've got the nine to five. We're very independent. We're sort of almost anti-community in some ways. You know, we want to put up walls walls so that we can't see our neighbours. We don't want to know who our neighbours are. But in doing that, we've we've lost, as you say, Chase, we've lost that um, assumed support. In, in the family, assumed support in taking care of the children. We are the only ones taking care of our children unless we happen to have, you know, parents that live nearby and can help out with these things. So, yeah, we can, while we've got our independence now, uh, you know, and financial independence and all this other great stuff, um, sometimes there's a, there's a poverty of community or a poverty of spirituality that we can feel. And um, it's tricky to, to find out how to address that. I, I think we'll work it out. But we're at the moment, we're still in this point of we want to be independent, we want to know we can do it alone. Um, but the reality is, it's not how we were set up. As you say, Chase, we were set up in tribes to, to take care of each other.
2: Like I said, I would love to talk about it all day because it is really interesting. And I think it, it affects so much of our lives uh, individually in relationships, but being aware of it and then being self-compassionate are definitely a, a good starting place without trying to, to solve the whole problem uh, because that that's a, a big uh, endeavor. But that's why I love the tips. I love the three actionable things that the self-compassion break that our listeners can go through. And before we move on to the lasting love round, I just want to go through it again because I think it's so great. And the first thing is just to pause and recognize that we're having a difficult time. And then to say, this is a moment of difficulty and sit with it. And then secondly, to understand it's a part of being human and that other people feel this. And then lastly, acknowledging it and saying, may I be kind to myself in this moment. So I I think that's such a powerful thing. I know I'm going to use it. I hope our listeners uh, find it valuable. And now we are going to go forward into the lasting love round. Lovely.
0: What is one tool or practice our listeners can use on a daily basis to help improve their relationship?
3: I think I may have have used my big ammunition for this question already that self-compassion break I think is a great one I think mindfulness mindfulness is where we've got to start just being more aware aware of what we're doing in any particular moment so I think that's a really great skill we should uh, we should be cultivating
2: is there a book or resource you can recommend for listeners who want to improve their relationship
3: Yeah, well, there are a couple of books specifically about self-compassion, and one I already mentioned by Kristen Neff called Self-Compassion, and the other one is by Christopher Germer, and it's called The Mindful Path to Self-Compassion. And uh, they both talk about relationships. They're both in relationships and have used self compassion in their relationships. So I'd highly recommend um, either or both of those books.
0: Great. Well, thank you. We'll be sure to add both those books on your show notes page on iDoPodcast.com. Great. We've been married for two years now. Is there any advice you would give
3: newlyweds? This is an interesting question. And I would say when we first get married, I, I, I admit I've been married twice, so I have a little bit of experience with this. Um, when we first get married and we're in that honeymoon period, which feels so nice, and the honeymoon period can last, I don't know, six months, a year, I, I don't know, it's different for different people. I think it's really valuable to recognise that we, we won't always be in a honeymoon period, and there's nothing wrong with our relationship when we start to move out of the honeymoon period. We might even start to feel like we're getting into a little bit of disillusionment, like this is not what I thought it was going to be. Like this is different to how it was to start with. The really important thing to remember is this is an important part of developing a relationship with somebody, honeymoon is not sustainable we can't we don't go through our whole relationship like this we move into this period of establishing ourselves as a couple getting used to each other's you know little nuanced uh, habits things that might annoy us they didn't annoy us to start with but they start to annoy us after a while we really start to get to know each other then sort of warts and all And this is when we really get a chance to deepen our understanding of each other and our affection for each other because true affection comes when we really understand someone at a very deep level. Uh, Just that connection um, brings with it a lot of affection. Connection and affection are, are closely linked. So. So I'd say once we're coming out of that honeymoon period, not not to feel like anything's wrong. It's a very normal part of um, developing a healthy relationship.
2: What advice would you give our single listeners looking for a happy relationship?
3: Well, the people who do best in relationships are those who are able to take care of their own emotional needs to a large extent. If we get into a relationship and we're projecting onto our partner, we want, you know, we want them to be a better version of our dad or a better version of our mum or a better version of our last partner. That's projecting. We're expecting them to fill a gap for us. The work we can do alone, and you, you can do this as a single person or do it alone while you're in a relationship, is to develop self-compassion, basically, to develop some emotional resiliency so that you're not projecting onto your current partner or a future partner. Um, you're not projecting onto them and expecting them to meet your needs, Um, research has shown that people who are high in self-compassion actually um, have happier relationships because they're taking responsibility for their own happiness to a large extent. If we can do that, we're giving our relationship the best chance at succeeding. So it's a great sort of homework exercise for those of us who are single, work on taking care of ourselves so that we can be in, in a super healthy relationship if and when we get into a relationship.
0: Well, that's awesome advice, Christy. We've really enjoyed hearing all the advice you've given us and our listeners. So let's wrap up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you and then we'll say goodbye.
3: Sure. So um, I have a website. It's called heartworks.training. So it's one word, Heartworks. Dot training, and on my website I have um, a lot of blog posts that I've written about all sorts of different topics, including relationships. Um, a lot of meditations that people can do, some really short ones, five minute meditations. And then I I lead online courses and in person courses as well. So I'm always doing something like that. Book study groups, and I try to make these as accessible as possible. So yeah. Going to my website, you could find out quite a lot about self-compassion there.
2: Our listeners can find all the information and links to today's episode on idopodcast.com. Go to the podcast tab and you'll be in the archives.
0: And again, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show.
3: Lovely. Thank you so much, folks. It's been lovely to talk to you. Hi, Sarah here. We hope you enjoyed the show. If
0: you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so through Patreon, Amazon, or audible.com. All the links are on the bottom of our show notes page on idopodcast.com and in the description for this episode. Also, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe on iTunes. We appreciate it so much. Thanks.
1: We're gonna light up the night, leave the fields of the fight when the war is over. We're gonna bury all the guns, singing every last one. We're gonna light up the night, leave the fields of the We're gonna light up the night, leave the fields of the fight. When the war is over, we're gonna bury all the guns, singing every last one. Whoa. Oh, 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 oh yeah. When the war is over, we're gonna. We're gonna bury all the guns and every last one. More.
2: To a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.